Well, good morning, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. <laughs> for all of you who are watching online, I've got news for you in this auditorium right now. There are real live people. <laughs> it's true. And they're all good looking. Every last one of them. And you say, well, but they've got masks on. Yeah, but they've got the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen in my life. I know, I know what I'm about to say is totally crazy. I know it is just lunacy. But I dream of a day in which people wake up on Sunday morning and they get dressed and they get into their car and they drive to the Missouri City or the Sugar Land campus and they walk into the worship center and they worship with real live people. And I'm thinking that that's going to keep growing every single Sunday. How about all of you in this room? I think that's going to keep on growing. Now, for everybody that is in this room right now, I've missed you. I have so missed you. And I'm going to ask you to humor me for just a few seconds. Would you humor me? I'm going to ask you to repeat two words after me. Two words. And I'm going to ask you to say it so loud. I know you've got those masks on and I know that your voice won't carry, but I need you to say it so loud that they can hear it in their living rooms online. You ready? First word. Would you repeat this word after me? Amen. Amen. Woo, you did that really good. Let's do it again. Amen. Amen. Pastor. Say them together, all of us. Amen. Oh, I've been dying to hear that. For three months, I've been looking at a camera the whole time. I didn't know if anybody was listening. I didn't know if anybody was agreeing. And I just needed to know somebody knew how to say amen, pastor. So thank you very much. Now, let me tell you about these masks. I don't know anything about masks. I don't know how many people really know about masks. But... I have heard that some people, they struggle with masks a little bit, or some masks are so tight, you really can't get the air that you need. So here's what I want to say to you. Anytime you feel you have a need to do it, you just bow your head, open up the bottom of that mask, get a few big whiffs of air, and put the mask back on, and you do it as often as you need to do it, okay? I'm just no wanting you to know you got permission to do that. Now, whether we're at Sugarland or we're at Missouri city, or we're at the Darrington campus, or we are online, we together are Sugar Creek Baptist Church. And today, today is Pentecost Sunday. That means that 2,000 years ago on this day, the church of Jesus Christ was born. God knew. Amen. Oh, I'm loving you. I am loving this crowd. God knew that we could not do what he had called us to do in our own power. And he wanted to have a deeper relationship with us. And so on Pentecost Sunday, the spirit of the living God came to live inside of us. Bethlehem is God with us. 
Calvary is God for us, but Pentecost is God in us. Do I hear an amen in this room? Amen. It is exactly what the guy was saying that I read when he said, many people have gone to Calvary for pardon, but so few people have gone to Pentecost for power. The word Pentecost simply means 50 days. And for our Jewish friends, it means 50 days from the celebration of Passover. But for Christ followers, it means 50 days since the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So listen to what happened on that first Pentecost. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. And suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. On that first Pentecost in first century. On that first Pentecost, the church of Jesus Christ became unstoppable. And in the 21st century, the church of Jesus Christ is still unstoppable. And that is what I want to talk to you about today. In the early church, these early Christians had a clear understanding of their purpose. 50 days before, Jesus had resurrected from the grave. And when he resurrected, he met with his disciples, not for minutes, and then disappeared to heaven, not for hours, not even for four days, but for 40 days, he met with his disciples day after day after day after day. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 that as he was doing that, he was going back over all that he had taught them. All that he had said to them for those three and a half years of the kingdom of God, he explained to them what that cross was about, what he was doing on the cross, what the resurrection is about, what the plan of God is about. And these disciples now, their eyes were open. Their understanding was crystal clear. They fully understood what Jesus was now saying. And when Jesus got to the end of the 40 days, these disciples were fully understanding, but they had no power. And then Jesus, just before he left, in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, said to them, but you shall have power. After the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What Jesus was saying to them is that I want you to be my mouthpiece. I want you to be my legs and my feet and my hands and my arms. I want you to be me on earth. I will empower you and I will give you all the ability to be who I want you to be. All of that, I want you to be a church on mission for my name. And they said to him, but when will the power come? Jesus said to them, I want you to go to Jerusalem and I want you to begin to pray. How long do we pray? You pray till the power comes. How long will it be? You keep praying till the power comes. How will we know when the power has come? When the power comes, you will know. 
And they went to Jerusalem. Jesus ascended up into heaven. And for 10 days, they prayed. And they poured out their heart to God. I have a feeling that during some of that time, they were thinking internally to themselves. And even maybe speaking it out loud, I don't know. But how in the world can we take the gospel to the ends of the earth? Jesus is not with us anymore. Look at us. We're poor. We're uneducated. We have no resources. And the government is against us. And the religious leaders are against us. But those same people before all of the smoke cleared in that first century had turned the world upside down. So how did this happen? How did it take place? Well, it began with the early church being united in love and prayer. Acts chapter 1 verse 14 says, and all of these with their minds in full agreement devoted themselves steadfastly to prayer waiting together. I want you to notice full agreement. Full agreement does not mean that we all agree on every topic. That did not happen in first century, and it surely isn't going to happen in the 21st century either, that we agree on every topic. That is not what that word means. What the words mean is this. They came to a sense of brokenness about their sin. They came to understand how desperately sinful their sin actually is and the brokenness that they have with God, and they came to repentance in their heart to the Lord. Oh, God, we, 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 we come to full repentance to you, and God... God forgave them and then they turned to each other and they began to ask for forgiveness of the things that they have said and the things that they had done and, and the brokenness that was between them and they came to unity. Unity with God and unity with each other. That's what full agreement actually means. I agree with Lloyd Ogilvie when he said in his book, Drumbeat of Love, I have always felt that Pentecost happened not just according to a date on a calendar, but in response to the reconciliation among disciples. There were deep tensions among them during and after Jesus' ministry. There were sharp divisions and conflicts among these strong-willed people until they were together on their knees, fully open to God and each other. The Holy Spirit could not be given I've never known as a contentious group to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, nor have I ever seen a church where there was disunity and dissension prevail to receive the blessing of the Holy Spirit. They cleared their relationship with God. They cleared their relationships with each other. And all the while, they began to understand better who they were. And in the midst, they began to better understand who God is. I know we understand our challenges. I know we understand our roadblocks, but sometimes we forget that our God is greater than our challenges and our God is greater than our roadblocks. I think sometimes we forget what the glorified Jesus Christ looks like in heaven. The apostle John in Revelation chapter one was in heaven and he saw him. And John describes the glorified Jesus Christ. 
He said his head and his hair are white like wool. His eyes are as a flame of fire. His feet are like unto fine brass as they burn in a furnace. And his voice is the sound of many waters. Out of his mouth comes a sharp two-edged sword and in his countenance is as the sun that shines in its strength. That doesn't look like a a weak glorified Jesus Christ, does it? That is a powerful Jesus Christ. This is the same Jesus Christ that the Bible says that his name has been exalted above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. This is the same Jesus who said to us in John chapter 15 and verse 7, that if you abide in me and my words abide in you, you shall ask whatever you will and it shall be done unto you. Revival comes when we humble ourselves and pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. And when we do it, he hears from heaven. He forgives our sins. He unites our hearts and he heals our land. He heals our land. Our land is in desperate need of being healed. Over the last few days, we have seen yet another example of injustice in the death of a man in Minnesota named George Floyd. Mr. Floyd, we understand, was trying to pass a counterfeit $20 bill, and that was wrong, but he shouldn't be dead because of it. In watching the videos of what happened, they give a clear evidence of heartless racism. We gathered a few weeks ago outside in the parking lot, and hundreds of cars drove by to honor our first responders. Our police officers and our firefighters, and we should because every last one of them are heroes. But today they are in greater danger because of the actions of a few bad cops. This is why law enforcement agencies all over the United States have condemned the actions of those particular police officers. The one who put his knee on the the neck of George Floyd and the others who stood around and watched. And they have lifted up their heads and their, their voices and they have said, this was wrong. This is not what we were trained to do. This is not who we are. This is not how we act. Do you know how hard that is for a police officer to do that? Because this is a band of brothers. But they called out these men. We have brothers and sisters in Christ who live their daily lives with fear and pain for themselves and their children for only one reason, the color of their skin. I don't understand that because I've never experienced that. But just because I don't understand it doesn't make it less true. It is a reality of life. But this I do know, that their pain is my pain. 
because they are my brothers in Christ and they are my sisters in Christ. And the Bible says that when part of the, of the body of Christ hurts, we all hurt together because we are one family of God. Amen and amen. I am frustrated at the looters. I am frustrated at these guys who are running around and they're burning stuff and they're threatening other people. I am frustrated at them because they take away from the peaceful protests that are trying to say, this is a problem. Would you look up and see it? It was Jesus who called the church to be salt and light. And he said to us that we are to be an influence in our culture for the love of God and for the truth of his word. And it means that we must live out in our daily lives the love of God and the truth of his word. It is time for racism in our country to stop. And I cannot imagine a group more powerful to be the leader in that than the church of Jesus Christ. We must pray together and repent together and stand together for God to forgive our sins and to heal our country. This is what was happening in the first century church. They gathered for those 10 days and they repented of their sin and they repented to God and they repented to each other. And when they had come to unity, the Spirit of God fell upon that place. Why was Pentecost such a life-changing moment? Because God came to live inside of his followers, not just in the first century, but in the 21st century. Every one of us who come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior have the Spirit of the living God come to dwell in us forever. Listen to what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 19. Or do you not know? That your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have of God, and you are not your own. You've been bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. The Bible says to us that not only has God come to live inside his followers, but now God the Spirit becomes our power. Jesus said, but you will have power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be witnesses of me. God's power will be shown in our life in various ways. It'll be shown in calmness and quiet confidence when others are panic stricken. It'll be showed in boldness and courage when others are cowering back. It will be a direction or a leadership by God at just the right moment or a supernatural ability for just the right situation. God's power will always be shown in a way that allows us to be witnesses for Christ wherever we are because the whole purpose of us having this power is to be a witness for Jesus Christ. So how do you have this power? You say, Pastor, I've got the Holy Spirit living in me. I've accepted Christ as my Savior. Then how does this power become released in my life? Just exactly the same way that happened in first century. We come to God and we admit our sin. We come to understand the sinfulness of our sin. 
We stop making excuses for our sin. We, we stop blaming somebody else for our sin. And we own our own sin. And we come to understand how desperately sinful in the eyes of God our sin is. And we go to God with brokenness and ask for forgiveness. And then we pick up the phone or we get with someone that we already know we have a broken relationship with. And we go and we talk it out and we hear each other out and we forgive each other. We come to forgiveness of each other. We, we are willing to open our hearts to each other. And then we surrender ourselves to God. This is the formula. This is the formula. The equation for obtaining God's power is a clean heart with God plus repaired relationships. All the relationships in your life, one after another after another, getting them fixed plus a surrendered will under God's control in every one of these things. Now open up your heart for the power of God to flow through your life. Pentecost is a good day to remind us of who we are. We're always facing obstacles. They're coming from everywhere. We, we never even anticipate some. The last three months is a perfect example. Who in the world three months ago would think we would be sitting here with masks on in Sugar Creek Baptist Church Worship Center or watching mostly online? Who could have ever guessed such a thing? But the truth is, every one of the things that come in our life, all the bar barriers and all of the roadblocks that come, God wants to use every single one of them for our good. He wants to take what was meant for evil for our benefit. It was Satan who meant this for evil, but God meant it for good. It was Satan who tried to shut down this church, but God expanded our boundaries through this. He didn't shut us down. He opened our eyes to more opportunity because that's what God does. That's what God does when we are willing to let him do it. With God, we will always be the unstoppable church of Jesus Christ. God takes ordinary men and women in first century and he empowered them and used them like no one could have ever dreamed. And he still does it in the 21st century. What if God was using this moment to position this country for revival? What if God was using this moment to bring revival around the world? We are not a social club. We are not an entertainment industry. We are not a store that has customers. We are a family. We are the family of God. And we are to be focused and sold out on one thing. And that is being a church on mission and seeing people's lives be forever changed. That people will come to know Christ as Savior and disciple them. That they might lead other people to Christ and disciple them. That's who we are. I get the fact that for the last three months we have been centered on survival. We've been trying to understand this virus. We've been trying to figure out how to function with it. I get that. I understand that. 
There are some things that we have done and, and the government has done and we have done in relationship to this that was absolutely spot on and there are other things that was totally unnecessary. The problem is we couldn't know it until we walked through it. But now listen to me. I think it's time to shift our focus on Pentecost Sunday, it is time to shift our focus from survival to revival. I think it's time for us to in our hearts go through what these men and women, the 120 that gathered in the upper room and saw the Spirit of God fall on them, to do what they did in our own individual lives, began to pray and began to ask God forgiveness for the sins in our life and to go deep into it, to go deep into our sin and to understand the sinfulness of our sin and go to God and ask God, oh God, would you forgive me? I can't believe what I have done to you. And oh God, I come to you and I ask, would you forgive me and cleanse me from all unrighteousness? And God will always forgive. If we're willing to come and own, he will always forgive us and then go and start making relationships right in our life. And as we do, God will begin to move in our church in what real revival is meant to be. I'm calling our church back to prayer. I'm asking us to let God use this unique moment in a powerful way and bring revival to us that we might see revival in all of this region and we might see people come to faith in Christ. We have an amazing opportunity at Sugar Creek. Almost no churches have this opportunity. We are so diverse. We have a chance of understanding each other, of spending time with each other, and instead of stereotyping people, actually get to know people and understand what they think and why they think it and understand who they are and understand that collectively we are the family of God. Our job is to enlarge the size of heaven. To keep sharing Jesus Christ with anybody and everybody that we can, and not just in this region, but around the world. And we're going to keep doing it at Sugar Creek Baptist Church until we hear a shout from heaven and the trump of the, of, of the Lord call out. And we see Jesus Christ in the air and we go to meet him. And until that moment happens, we're not quitting. We are going to be the people of God on mission to see a lost world come to know Jesus Christ as Savior. Amen and amen. Let's bow together for prayer. Father, we come to you today, and oh God, we acknowledge, God, we need you, and we need cleansing. I pray, Father, you'd bring cleansing across this church brokenness in men and women and teenagers and children brokenness a relationship restart with you and father I pray that you would bring healing to family members and extended family members 
and friends and church members. That you would unite and clean out our relationships. And oh, Father, I pray you would bring a deep-seated surrender. Oh, Father, may the power of your spirit fall upon this church as we release the Holy Spirit within us to be everything that he is intended to be in and through our lives. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're online and you want to receive Jesus as your Savior, go to the Next Step Center online. And even in the room, go to the Next Step Center online and talk to some people face-to-face, one of our ministers, about that relationship, about that decision, that need that you have in your heart. We always end our services uh, by giving, by sharing the, the purpose statement of our church. And now I don't have to say it by myself. We can all say it together that are in this service, and I'm going to ask you at your home if you'd do the same. Would you say our purpose with me? Our purpose is to love and lead all people to life change in Christ. God bless you online. We'll see you back next Sunday.